Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, where we discuss all things mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. To get more information and resources, visit the website at therapyforblackgirls.com. And while I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Welcome back for session 15 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. So today I have a great episode for you all about healthy relationships and effective communication with a special guest therapist. But before I do that, I want to let you know that I have opened a private Facebook community for the listeners of the show. So if you want to get together and chat with other women who listen to the show and really take the lessons that you're learning from the episodes to the next level, head on over to therapyforblackgirls.com backslash tribe, where you can get an invitation to join the Therapy for Black Girls Thrive tribe. So that group will be a place where we can discuss the highlights of the episodes, as well as any issues that come up for you related to the episodes to provide some support for each other and some accountability. So again, head on over to therapyforblackgirls.com backslash tribe. So today I am joined by Keandra Jackson. She is the visionary of KW Couples Therapy and the co-founder of KW Essential Services and Black Speakers Rock. She has been featured in the Huffington Post as one of the 10 Black female therapists you should know. She is a trusted and licensed marriage and family therapist that gets results. As a graduate of Azusa Pacific University, she is currently serving as private practitioner working with a broad spectrum of clients. Among her areas of expertise are premarital and marital issues, anger management, addiction, anxiety and depression, life transitions, grief, loss and bereavement, and faith-based counseling. Her therapeutic approach is holistic, eclectic, and tailored to clients' needs to make sure each person is cared for biologically, emotionally, and spiritually. Through her early work, she discovered the importance of having healthy relationships. From that point on, she chose to specialize in helping couples strengthen and repair their relationships. She specializes in improving intimacy with couples by increasing effective two-way communication. She is dedicated to helping couples increase sexual, physical, emotional, and spiritual intimacy. She also specializes in working with couples who truly desire to maintain a healthy, long-lasting relationship and uncover their true potential. So, Keandra, talk with me about how you can have a healthy relationship, even if you've not ever seen that modeled for you, and also drop some real gems about the key elements of effective communication with your partner. So, Keandra, I'm very happy to have you on the podcast with me today. Thanks so much for joining me. 
you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be with you today. Yeah, so I'm very excited that you wanted to talk about how we could have a healthy relationship even if we've never seen one, because I think many women who are listening probably are struggling with the same kind of thing. So I'm very excited to hear what you have to offer us in terms of like some tips and suggestions around this. Absolutely. This is one of the topics that I'm super passionate about, about relationships, whether they're intimate or just platonic. I think it's super important in our lives to make sure that we are having healthy relationships and maintaining them as well. Got you. So how do we know that we that what we've seen from our parents or other loved ones may not constitute a healthy relationship? Do you think that there are some signs that we should look out for to kind of say, oh, my parents didn't actually have the best kind of relationship? Totally. I think before we even go there, it's important to really kind of break down what a healthy relationship is, because I think that helps people understand what unhealthy relationships are. So a healthy relationship really consists of a number of things, to be honest with you. But the two things that I like to mention are communication and boundaries. Um, I know you recently did um, a session about boundaries. Yes. Uh, so I was like, this is actually right on point. <laughs> <laughs> so communication is one of the biggest ones. I mean, that's something that you want to make sure that um, you and your partner um, clearly understand each other. It allows you to connect on different levels. It consists of really treating each other with respect um, and having open dialogues and conversation about thoughts and feelings and being able to actively listen. Um, and then boundaries, of course, those are the invisible lines that we set up for ourselves and for others. And we have to really be, be open because there's some times where um, you have to really express what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with. And that includes finances, sex, money, family, friends, time, personal space. Those are all things we have to consider when we're thinking about boundaries. So I think some of the signs of an unhealthy relationship is when those things, when communication and boundaries, they kind of get mixed up or flipped on its head. So, of course, anything that has to do with any type of safety concerns definitely will potentially constitute as an unhealthy relationship. So we're talking about any type of physical or verbal um, abuse, um, feeling pressure to change who you are. That's something that's actually um, can be a sign of an unhealthy relationship. Lack of privacy, lack of autonomy, um, control and criticism of how you dress or how you carry yourself. Um, lack of respect for your friends or family. I mean, I can go on and on. Extensive <laughs> list of what, you know, some what characterizes an unhealthy relationship. But I think one of the main ones that I've seen um, is just a lack of fairness and equality in the relationship. So can, so, you, can you talk more about what you mean when you say a lack of fairness and equality? Yeah, because there's some times when there's an unhealthy relationship where there may be um, a little bit of unbalance. So say, for instance, um, regards to money or cars, sex, home life, Let's give, let's give an example. So say, for instance, um, let's, let's go there. Is it okay for me to talk, talk about sex? Absolutely. Okay, perfect. <laughs> years that might be listening. <laughs> so say, for instance, you know, there's one person who wants sex in a relationship way more frequently than the other, and then there's a pressure or um, an over-expectance for that person to perform or to do exactly what just they want to do and the other person's needs are not getting met. So that's what I mean about a little bit of unfairness or inequality. There's like 
it's off kilter just a little bit. Our regards to money, it's okay for one person to, to spend a certain amount of money, but it's not okay for the other. Um, just some things that, does that make sense? Just some things that are a little bit off. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so it sounds like what you're really talking about is one person's priorities are getting met and then the other person has to kind of sacrifice their priorities. Absolutely. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Got you. Okay. Okay. So you also touched a little bit, um, and I think this would be really important to talk more about these ideas around um, somebody like kind of trying to control your appearance and like what you're wearing and who you're hanging out with. And I think sometimes um, there may be a fine line in some people's minds around what is controlling and what is like my partner just wanting the best for me or I really want to look nice for my partner. Um, can you talk about, you know, like the difference between maybe those two things? Yeah, I think there is, you're right. There is a fine line between control and, you know, my person, my partner just wants the best for me. Um, however, those are just dialogues that need, it go back, it goes back to that comfort, that communication piece in dialogues that need to take place saying, hey, if you want to look nice for your partner and you want to wear a nice dress and it might be a little bit too tight or too small or, you know, too short or whatever the case may be. And that's just a once and just on a, a separate occasion. I don't think that that's really considered controlling versus every day. Um, it's more about the frequency of how the control happens. So if it's a day in and day out, whether it's like, you know, you're showing too much skin, you're going out like this, you're not doing this. I think it's more so about the lack of freedom that you have to be able to express yourself. So it's almost like you lose a little bit of your autonomy in a sense where you're not able to express yourself through, through dress, through the styling of your hair, through makeup. Things are more restricted based on what the other person um, expects or what they desire. Okay, got you. So you have talked about communication quite a bit, and I know in a lot of your work, you do a lot of work with couples around healthy communication. And I don't think we often know exactly what that means. So what are like the elements of healthy communication in a couple? Yeah, I think healthy communication consists of a whole bunch, <laughs> a whole bunch of things. Um, and we can talk for days and days about that. But I think healthy communication is a give and a take. Um, it's more so about both people. And I always talk about effective two-way communication because those are um, the components that we don't really break down and understand a lot of the time. It's more so like one way and what we want to get across, but sometimes we're not able to listen to what the other person has to say. So it, can, it consists of verbal communication clearly, but sometimes it, it consists of body language and nonverbal communication, kind of like the things that we don't say. I mean, it consists of active listening and being able to understand and empathize with your partner. Um, so in a nutshell, I think it includes all of those things and we can, you know, break those down a little bit more, but it encompasses so many components to help you have a, a healthy, long lasting relationship. You have to be okay and open enough to share every aspect of what's going on in your thoughts and your feelings sometimes to be able to make sure that your partner is thoroughly understanding what you have to say. Okay, so let's just start with something you threw out on um, the active listening. So I know you and I know what that means, but what does that mean in terms of like a partnership? Um, how would you actively listen to your partner? I think active, active listening is one of the things that I teach a lot of clients um, and couples that come to my office because you're right. It's something that's not really talked about. It's not really taught either. 
Um, I have read a really, a really powerful statistic, and it said that only 2% of us, 2% in the U.S. population have been taught how to actively listen properly. So I don't, I'm not sure how accurate that is. <laughs> right. 2% of us, if that is accurate, that is struggling in this area who, who doesn't really know that we're not really taught. You know, I think we're taught how to hear, um, but we're not always taught how to listen. And I think listening consists of um, being able to first understand what the other person is trying to say and really get to a place where you're seeking to understand the person and then seek to be understood. So it's about paraphrasing. It's about saying back to the other person and using language that reflects exactly what they were trying to say so you can get clarity. Um, it's about making sure that you're trying to understand the person and not just wait for them to, to stop talking so you can, <laughs> so you can get a word in, right? Like that's a lot of the times of the things that we do, you know, we wait for the other person to pause or to stop speaking in order for us to just say a reply or respond. So it's really about an understanding and seeking to be understood. So it's a give and a take in regards to active listening and keening your ear to be able to empathize with whatever the person is saying as well. Um, so it's all about clarity in a sense. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think that that's a really hard habit to break um, because, you know, if especially if it's like a heated kind of a conversation and you want to kind of just maybe be right or, you know, make sure that your point is heard, you really probably are spending a lot of time in your head like, okay, I'm going to say this and I know that this will get him kind of thing. Um, so, <laughs> so That's so, real. That's definitely real talk. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of exercises um, can we do to kind of maybe slow down that process to get out of our head and make sure we're actually listening and not just formulating our argument. Totally. So I actually have, um, I actually created a free PDF download. It's called the couples edition of the do's and don'ts of effective communication. And it really breaks down some of the things that, that you should do that sets your relationship on a healthier path. And then there's some things on there that you should not do and stuff that you should literally just be avoiding like the plague <laughs> in your relationship. And so what I love about that is that there's an action plan that's attached to it because I wanted people to not just get the information, but learn how to implement that. So it's actually a one page worksheet that you can get. And it's about a give and a take. It breaks down what active listening is and it gives you a concrete exercise of three different topics that you and your partner um, can choose. And then it's a, a reciprocity of one person sharing exactly what they want to say, the other person listening, and then making sure that the other person is paraphrasing what you say to be able to have that clarity and doing vice versa. So it's almost like a little couples exercise that I included for people to be able to implement all of the things that they get on the do's and don'ts of effective communication. Okay. And we definitely, is that something that's available on your website? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So We'll make that available in the show notes for sure. Totally, totally yeah. yeah. I definitely get that because that's, that's good stuff. <laughs> okay, okay. So what are some of the areas maybe like in the couples that you work with that you see couples struggling with the most? Like what kinds of areas keep coming up in terms of like difficulty communicating around? I think one of the major things that I'm seeing right now is trust and vulnerability. And I know that those are two things that it's almost like, especially with trust, like sometimes it takes a long time to build, depending on how you are, 
Um, it can take a long time to build, but that's something that can be broken. I mean, it, immediately, just like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it, it's a fine line because a lot of clients that I work with, they always come in with trust, vulnerability issues, and sometimes infidelity. But in the same aspect, at the root of it, when I break down everything and I go, I start digging and we get down to the root cause of it, it actually boils back down to communication. Most of the time, it's like, you know what? A simple, small conversation wasn't had a while ago that could have really resolved or put things on a different path. And so that's why I'm so passionate about communication because I notice that that tends to be a lot of the root, the cause of a lot of the the issues that, you know, are happening. So um, to answer your question, infidelity, trust, and most of the time people just being scared to be vulnerable and open. Yeah, that's a big one. I mean, so what kinds of things do you feel like we can do to become more vulnerable in relationships? I think it's about just being honest, honestly. And I know that's a hard one for most people. Um, But when you're in a relationship with someone, you're on the same team. Like you guys are not enemies. You guys are not competitors. You guys are not components. You guys are on the same team. So understanding that that person loves you cares about you, wants the best for you, and having that in the forefront of your mind at all times should help you be able to get to a place where you're slightly open enough to share some of those things that may not be difficult, that may be extremely difficult to share. You know, I mean, stuff from your childhood or stuff from a previous relationship or even stuff that's currently going on in your relationship. Um, You should get to a point where you're kind of like, just slowly but surely, it's almost like an onion, right? You're just like peeling back layer by layer by layer just to get to the core of it. And once that happens, I mean, I've seen relationships that are very closed off and they don't have that trust and they don't have that vulnerability. But when I do a little bit of coaching and saying, hey, maybe that's something that you can start sharing with your partner small bit by bit, piece by piece, and over time, Um, the relationship blossoms into something that's just extremely beautiful. I can't really explain it in any other words. So it's about a vulnerability and being able to just share some of the small things, just the little small things, and then making sure that that's received on the other end in a, you know, in a productive manner. And then that opens the door for more sharing, more bigger things, more trust, more vulnerability. And that ultimately brings couples to a place of a, a greater emotional connection. Yeah, and it does sound like that goes back to the communication piece that you talk about, because if I'm sharing things with you and I'm, you know, kind of finding myself being vulnerable, then I need to know that you can handle that. I need to know that if I say that to you, that you won't throw that back in my face in an argument or something like that. <laughs> That's very true. So you have to create a space, a safe space for your partner to the point where it's like, okay, everything that I tell you, that's why, that's why it's important to build that foundation first, right? I mean, we don't want to get into a relationship with someone and then we found out that they're just extremely not trustworthy, untrustworthy. We can't share anything with them. They throw it back in our face. That doesn't create an environment where open communication can happen. That doesn't create an environment to have a healthy relationship because the other person is not going to want to share. And ultimately, it's going to be a breakdown in communication and then eventually a breakdown in the relationship. So what are your thoughts about, um, because, you know, some of these communication patterns that you're talking about, you know, whether I want to be more kind of closed off in the relationship or do I share certain things with you? A lot of that comes from how we're brought up, like what 
or the communication patterns in our families. Um, so what are your thoughts around, do you feel like sometimes um, people who are in therapy with you need individual counseling to work through some of that before they can really be effective in a couple? Oh, 100%. <laughs> you don't know how many times that couples have come to me expecting me to work on couple stuff. And after doing the initial assessment, I say, you know what, I think it's best that you guys actually do individual counseling um, first prior to couples. I mean, there's so many, sometimes a lot of deep rooted and seated things that even from our childhood um, that come up in the relationship. And so it's, those things need to be worked on first in order to make sure that the, the couples therapy is more effective. So I agree that a lot of the things that we experience come from our childhood. And that could be a good thing or a bad thing, right? Because mm -hmm. some people have to, came from two-parent homes and things were just peaches and they had great communication and things are great. But that's really not everyone's story. I know that's not my story, <laughs> to be honest with you. So I know what it's like to come from uh, a broken home where there was um, verbal and physical abuse and it wasn't the healthiest environment for me and my sister and so I like to tell people that most people are, are in two camps they either want to be the complete opposite <laughs> of their parents I mean just the complete opposite and say I'm just not doing anything that you guys did I'm straying far away from that or what happens is even though they try to do that they wind up still being just like their parents and I find that that's just a really interesting dynamic that tends to happen because we fight so hard to do the opposite of what, you know, we were brought up with. But then sometimes those things tend to seep through some, some of something. Yeah, it seeps through a lot of the times, to be honest with you. And it's like, wow, I can't even depart from this. This is very interesting. So I, I think you're 100% right, you know, parents and even sometimes the things that weren't actually said or weren't done can be just as, as effective as, you know, people who've experienced um, the opposite effect where there were, you know, arguments and abuse and things of that nature. So um, understanding where your family history and where that came from and understanding the family dynamics and breaking down what you saw growing up in your household, I think that can really be beneficial in current relationships. And even sharing that with your partner, because I'm sure 90% of the time your partner had a completely different experience than you had in their household growing up as well. Yeah. So how do we get in touch with that? How do we get to know like what kinds of things need to be in check so that we can bring our best self to a relationship? Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's, that's a really good question. Honestly, and so I think everything starts with acknowledgement, right? So if you know you had a tough childhood or, you know, some things happen in your life where it's very, very difficult for you to continue moving forward, just be real about them and be real about them with yourself and with your partner. And because you, and ultimately you can't really heal what you aren't really willing to reveal. So the things that you keep secret, the things that you don't tell anybody, oftentimes, those are the things that eat away at us so much, like almost to our core. And then we're wondering why, you know, we're not able to have healthy relationships at work, at school, with our partner, with our children. It's because, you know what, we're not dealing, that, dealing with that inner healing that needs to take place. So some of the best relationships um, have to have that vulnerability piece that I just talked about and being able to unpack some of that stuff. 
And that's why I'm so glad you and I are on here today because I mean, sometimes professional help is needed, right? Like sometimes you have to go and you have to see a counselor and say, hey, you know what? I've seen a pattern in my life where I can't have healthy relationships. I'm having difficulty with my children. I'm having issues at work. Like what's going on? And having someone from an objective perspective be able to walk you through some of that and unpack it and reveal some of the things that you're not able to see is extremely powerful. Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree with you. And I do think that that is one of the main reasons um, that a lot of women will begin to seek therapy is because something has happened in relationship, right? So they realize they kind of keep dating the same kind of person and it doesn't get the results that they want. Um, So I think that, you know, difficulties in relationships are probably one of the main reasons why people realize like, oh, I probably should talk with someone about this. I think you're 100% right. And sometimes we, I always tell people like, before you even get into a relationship, you really want to take an inventory of yourself. Like get to know yourself first before you bring someone else into your world. Because what happens is a lot of the times we think that we get into these relationships or we get into marriage and that all of the issues that we have prior to that, they just disappear like poof, be gone, you know. But that's the biggest lie and biggest misconception that I've seen. Because what happens is all of those issues that we dealt with when we were single or when we were just dating, they tend to be magnified in our relationships. They tend to be magnified and greater in our marriage. And so that's why it's important to kind of like work on yourself before. Like when you're in, I tell people now, like I'm single, right? I'm a single marriage and family therapist. What irony? (laughs) (laughs) Irony is this. But I tell people being single is one of the best seasons because I'm able to work on myself and prepare. So when that time comes for me to be in a relationship or to be in a marriage, I've been wor- I've worked on a lot of my stuff. I'm not saying that I'm perfect and that my partner will be perfect, but I know that I'll get to, get to a place where I'm saying, okay, I've already taken an inventory of how I am emotionally and spiritually, physically, psychologically, um, and being ready to receive the person when they come into my life. So it's a great season to be in. Yeah. And have you found any kind of like formal inventories that you're talking about? Or is this something that you would craft with your client about like how to take an inventory of the things that they may not be recognizing for themselves? Yeah, I haven't come across one that I've really like loved to be Mm -hmm. honest with you that's out there. So I tend to kind of like craft my own and make it kind of tailored to each person's um, situation because everyone's different. And so everyone has um, specific areas that they, you know, may or may not be, you know, important to them. So say, for instance, someone who's not as spiritual, I really wouldn't always include that component. Mm -hmm. Uh, It'll just be noted, like, you know what, this isn't an area where, you know, I want to, you know, grow in or I feel like I'm good in this area or whatever the case may be. So I like to do scaling. I'm very solution focused in like everything that I do, right? I'm, I'm one of those therapists. So I like to, I like to do scales and ratings and things of that nature to say, you know what, where are you at now with this? Like, is this something, are you, do you feel like you are good in this area? So emotionally or psychologically or physically, you know, like, do you feel like you're good in this area? If you are, okay, what number would you give that? All right, cool. And then as we progress and we go through counseling and we go through the process, taking an inventory again and assessing where we're at and if we're making progress and if that number went up or went down or stayed the same and making adjustments as necessary. So I haven't found one that I'm completely like ranting and raving about, but I tend to tailor them to my clients 
um, just to get a really good inventory of where they're at. So I do want to backtrack a little because um, I feel like we had a missed opportunity to really dive into something that I think is probably really important, especially with your couples. Um, so you talked a lot about like the trust piece. And I think something that really highlights um, trust issues is around like social media and technology, right? Yes. <laughs> and I, I know you had a recent, yes, yes, you had a recent Facebook post talking about like snooping and looking through your partner's phones and those kinds of things. So I do want to hear more about um, how like the technology things play out for couples and how that is related to trust. I think in this newfound season where technology is the go-to for everything, I think it has created a very interesting um, dynamic in relationships that wasn't technically there before in generations past, right? Like cell phones and texting and social media wasn't that big in the past, but now it seems to be like rampant. That's all we do all day. We get notifications and <laughs> we respond to people and all of that good stuff. And so I've seen an increase in people's level of trust when it comes to social media and their phone and is it okay to have the, you know the password to your partner's cell phone or is it okay to check their social media and it's this over it's this over suspicion that i've seen where it has placed people in a position where they don't trust their partner as much as previously in a sense and so I created that post about respecting your partner's privacy because you have to have those conversations about, you know, what is it okay for, is it okay for us to have each other's um, password to their phone? You know, like each couple is very different. I tell them that like what is okay for one couple may not necessarily fit for the next one. So there may be a couple who have each other's password to their phone and check each other's social media and it's not a big deal because they trust each other and it's fine and there's no issues there. But there may be an issue in another relationship where one person wants that and the other person doesn't. So how can you have those conversations uh, and where there's an equal um, balance or in between the middle? Um, it, it, it can be rough. So I've seen it take its toll because social media is not always like filtered, right? There's beautiful women on there, there's beautiful men on there. Some people don't really respect other people's relationships, whether they're married or not. I've seen that be the case. And it can be very risky. So you have to be solid in your relationship first in order to be able to, I guess, deter or to push away or deny some of the requests that may be out there and that may come your way. Yeah, it almost feels like there needs to be like this conversation on the front end. Um, and, and it feels like, you know, maybe dating myself a little bit, right? But um, like when Facebook first came out and you knew that this is how a relationship was official, like if we linked our profiles together, right? So right. These, all these conversations about like even presenting yourself as a couple on right. social media. Um, so like on the front end, having conversations about, okay, can you follow people of the opposite sex? Like yeah. what kinds of things are okay for you to direct message people around? You know, like really having some of those conversations early on, it seems like could be helpful. I mean, extremely early on. <laughs> like, <laughs> in the relationship. I know I, it's so funny because yeah, I remember when, you know, it was a big thing to be, you know, in a relationship on Facebook and, you know, just got engaged and married and all of that stuff and are dating this person. Um, and now I don't see that as much. It's almost like people want to keep that aspect of them away from social media, probably for this very reason. 
Mm. But I think on the flip side, it causes more confusion because if you don't have on your profile that you're married <laughs> and people, and you never post pictures of your significant other or of your kids or whatever the case may be, you give off this impression of a lifestyle that you don't really have. And you have to be careful about how you present yourself out there on social media and how you're viewed. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I've also seen even a lot of conversation around um, like people not following their significant other on like maybe Twitter or Instagram just to kind of keep down any confusion around like seeing them interact with other people on the platform and things like that. Yeah, that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. That's not my style. I would totally (laughs) follow. (laughs) Not to snoop or to, you know, to be looking for something. But I would totally want to follow my significant other and my partner just to see, you know, we're doing life together in one aspect or another. So I want to be a part of that world. Um, but it definitely can cause a lot of confusion. Definitely, for sure. I've seen, I've seen a lot of heated arguments and discussions. And I even made posts like that about, you know, that on Facebook to see what other people say. And it's pretty, pretty consistent across the board that each relationship has its own specifications when it comes to social media, just like with everything else. Yeah. I mean, I do think that that raises a good point that you talked about even before, um, that your relationship is just that it's yours. So when we get caught up in trying to compare what my best friend's relationship looks like with their partner, um, you can kind of get into some trouble because what is healthy and works for them may not be the same for you. Absolutely. I tell people all the time, like comparison is like sometimes one of the the worst things that we do. Um, because we start comparing our life and our business and our relationship and our money and all of these things to other people. But you never know what's really, really, really going on um, in that relationship, in that business, in, that, in their bank account and all of these things. What we see is so superficial um, on the surface sometimes, especially on social media. Like people put up a front <laughs> all the time, to be honest with you. They, they have this lavish lifestyle, but they're really, you know, broke and living at home with their mom and catching the bus. Like, you know, like those are some of the things that we see sometimes. And we think that they live this, you know, high life with this beautiful home and all of these things, but it's, it's not always accurate. And so it's important for us to not always compare ourselves to each other because we don't know what the other person is truly, truly going on that's going on with them or what they're doing. And so it can be very, it can almost be like a blow to our own like self-esteem as well, because when we start comparing ourselves um, and if we feel inadequate or, you know, not up to par in a certain area, it can really like damage our self-esteem. And ultimately we're comparing ourselves to something that's not even real half of the time. So it's, it's a fine line. You have to be very, very careful about um, comparison. Right. Yeah. Because there's no way you can ever measure up to something that doesn't actually exist in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> right on the head. So, yeah. Keandra, what are some of your favorite resources around healthy relationships, like maybe some books or worksheets or podcasts? Um, what kinds of things do you really love that talk like well about healthy relationships? Well, first of all, of course, the couples edition of the do's and don'ts of effective communication that I created, (laughs) that's one of my favorite resources that you should definitely go out and grab. But the two books that I find myself consistently going back to is The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. I mean, that book has really actually not only transformed my life, but I use that with all of my couples. It's super important to know your love language and know your partner's love language because that keeps you in a place where you're actually speaking 
and fulfilling their quote unquote love tank. And so um, I love teaching that. I love, you know, having them do the exercises and giving them the tools that they need to make sure that they're having a healthy relationship. The second one I use, um, and it's not always for marriages, but I've implemented some of these with my couples that are not married, uh, married is the seven principles for making marriage work. And that's by John Gottman. Um, that book is super, super powerful. I love its practicality because sometimes these books about relationships and all of this stuff is kind of like, okay, that's great. That's nice. But how do I fit this into my real life, my day-to-day -day life? I think he does a great job with giving us practical tools that we can use, like starting today to make sure that you have a healthy marriage. And then sometimes those things apply when you're not married as well. So those are the two um, resources that I tend to use like a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> so tell us where we can find more information about your work and everything that you're doing. Absolutely. So of course I am on Facebook and Instagram as Keandra Jackson. You can find me there, follow me. And then you can also visit my website at kwcouples with an S therapy.com. That's www.kwcouplestherapy.com. Perfect. And all of that information, again, will be included in the show notes. So any final parting words that you feel like you want to leave us on, Keandra? Hmm, final parting words. I just wanted to let you all know that healthy relationships are a key component in our lives and that that's something that we should strive for no matter what aspect we're in. Because when we think about relationships, we're always thinking about an intimate relationship. But like I said, there's work relationship, colleagues, family, friends with your children. And it's important because a lot of the things I actually talked about today with communication and boundaries and what's healthy and what's not in comparison, those are things that can be used in every aspect of your life. So I want you guys to take the, the information that I provided and kind of like plug it in where it fits in because it's super important. When you have a healthy relationship, trust me, it eliminates a lot of, you know, stress and anxiety in other areas of your life. So definitely relationships, healthy relationships are key. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today, Keandra. Thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate it. I had such a good time. I am loving therapy for black girls. And I hope you will have me on again soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Part two. <laughs> So if you love the knowledge that Keandra dropped in that episode, then you absolutely want to check out her pamphlet that she developed for the do's and don'ts of effective communication. You can find that link as well as all the other resources that she mentioned in the show notes. That's at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 15. And as always, I would love to hear your feedback about the episode. So please make sure to share that with me on social media. You can use the hashtag TBG in session. You can find us on Twitter at therapy for the number four B girls. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at therapy for black girls. And again, if you'd like to join in with other women who are catching up with the episodes, make sure to join the thrive tribe at therapyforblackgirls.com backslash tribe. I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. <laughs>